That was fast. Good morning. My name's Carrie, and I'm in Al-Anon. Oh, wow. Last time I uh, spoke at a retreat, it was in Baghdad several years ago, and on the way down from Indianapolis, I got some, some bad chicken salad from a fast food restaurant that will remain unnamed. And I was the speaker for the following morning, like, like today. <laughs> I spent all night with food poisoning. It was horrible. I was pretty wrung out. And, um, but the gift it gave me was I, I had nothing to do but rely on prayer because I, <laughs> I had nothing, absolutely no energy. They had to get me a stool to sit on and I was pretty shaky, but, um, I had to have spirit had to hold me up because I was not capable of doing it myself. And probably the other piece that was a blessing was that there was no room for ego either. Cause I was wiped out. I was pretty grateful actually. I ended up being a real nice time. I don't remember any of it, but it was <laughs> so um, yeah, I've, I've been in Al-Anon this time around for 14 years. Um, I consider myself pretty lucky. I'm an AA baby. Dad got sober when I was five and I grew up in these rooms. Literally my sisters and I did. Um, and I was the, I'm considered, I'm the oldest. I'm daddy's girl. I'm a daddy's girl. He does love his other daughters <laughs> as much as he loves me. But um, when Dad was up in Evanston in the nut house, it was my birthday, and Mom and I took the train to go see my dad, and um, I couldn't wait to see him. And you know, we go in this tall gray building. It really was just awful looking. And. Uh, I'm looking and looking and looking and mom says, who's that? And there he is walking towards me. Still, you know, loves me, made me a purse, put lifesavers in it. I still have that purse. I still have a hanger from John and Jack's too, where you ripped off all those clothes. Um, <laughs> I have evidence. I'm an Al-Anon. I'm really good at keeping evidence. <laughs> so we grew up in these rooms and I've listened to alcoholics tell their stories my entire life and I've heard some ugly stories and I said I'm not going to marry one of these because they were terrible stories I'm not marrying any of you people three I've been married three times first first one I met in Alateen yeah right um and he kept coming around I don't know why he just kept calling me and showing up and pretty soon we were dating and then uh, then uh, dad made the move out to Indiana from Denver which I made as awful as any 17 year old girl could do I was terrible and uh, the week I graduated from high school he came out and got me and I was back in Denver and um, living with then my Alateen sponsor Carla who's no longer with us and then I married him I got married at 20 had my son at 23 and at 24 I took the baby and ran um, and I didn't know why he got my ex Larry my first ex uh, he got busted for stealing from his restaurant and I had no clue I was so naive um, and he was terrified because he had to take a lie detector test I'm going well you didn't do anything wrong he says well no actually I did so um, you know he got caught and they gave him the option. The judge said, you know, join the army or go to jail. And he chose the army. So he was actually down here in Fort Knox. 
and I, I came home with the baby. And, you know, when I was married to, to Larry, I was convinced I was stupid and ugly and worthless and nobody liked me. And suddenly I'm away from the man and people think I'm smart and I'm funny and I'm pretty and I know what I'm doing. I have friends. And I really couldn't quite put my finger on what was wrong because I had no idea how much he was drinking or snorting, no clue. But I knew I was really happy to be away from him. And I couldn't make myself go back and, and my folks really had no idea what was going on. They just knew I did not want to go back and couldn't understand why not. And I couldn't explain it to them. But, uh, and at one point I probably agreed, I did, I agreed that I would go back to him and I got physically ill. So that's a nice big tell. I should not go back to this man. And, um, and thank God I didn't. Later on he moved on to heroin and um, raising, having what I can't imagine what my life would be like or what my son's life would be like had I stayed with him. But uh, when we moved to Indy from Denver, I had been really active in Alateen. And we got to Indy and they did it wrong. I had all the answers. And so I, I just kind of dropped out, still going to, to functions and things like that because, you know, for all of it, you are my people. You're my first tribe. And, um, oh good, I've lost it. Um, so I showed up, I went to work, I ended up in the restaurant business, which for somebody who's generally um, an introvert, it's a good exercise because I had to learn to talk to people and put myself up out there and uh, learn how to do it pretty well and learn how to cover pretty well. I'm a fabulous chameleon. Wanna wanna turn myself into whatever you think I'm gonna be okay being. And that's still kind of an exercise for me. I get to practice over and over again, you know, who am I really and how honest am I being in my life. So I I did that for a long time. And I did that and, and married another man that I met in the restaurant business. And uh, he's a solid alcoholic. And I knew he drank. And there's a part of my brain that said, oh, you know, at some point we'll get him to AA. And my, my vision was, I'm gonna be like my folks. You know, Mr. and Mrs. AA, they've been all over the country and the world for God's sake. Um, and, uh, but you know, my husband at the time wasn't interested. Wasn't, and as far as I know, he still doesn't, isn't sober. But um, I raised my, my fabulous son with um, an alcoholic who was not his father. And, and, and this is not, I, I, you know, this is my story and I get to talk about my bad behavior and what I've learned, but this is not to say that the alcoholics in my life didn't behave badly. They did. But my part is how did I react to it? What did I choose to stick around for? And I didn't do it consciously. I did it pretty unconsciously. So my second husband, David, did the best he could. And the disease took him. He loved me, he loved my son. He taught my kid how to ride a bike, how to play baseball, got him into music. Um, so I, I have to give him props for that, but again, it's the disease of alcoholism took him away, bit by bit, um, until, until really I wanted nothing to do with him. And um, 
he knew I wanted nothing to do with him, but he was, he paid the rent. So I, uh, I stuck around and actually he left me. I thought he left me and stopped drinking, but, um, that would have made it all about me. It turns out he's still drinking. So it wasn't all about me, but he's the one that I, I have more, more, it's easier for me to forgive him. My son's father, um, he's in Texas, married to some other woman that I do talk to her. I talk to, but, uh, he's, he's very slowly dying and, and, uh, and I'm practicing praying for him, if only for myself and for my son. And my son really isn't interested um, because his dad has never been a part of his life and never been, never shown up honestly. He's one of those guys that would make all the promises in the world and crap out. We just couldn't count on him. So he's he's uh, he's where he is, and and I'm glad he's got somebody who takes care of him. But I'm glad it's not me. So I have a this history where I'm looking for security in, you know, husbands. And Larry couldn't do it. And David couldn't do it. And like I said, he's, he, he left me. And then, um, I start hanging around with my folks again, cause they're going to AA meetings and maybe I'll find somebody. a brilliant plan on my part so um, I'm in the restaurant business for many years and struggling and raising this kid I had a period of time when I went out and partied a lot you know I was young I was cute um, I think Morgan was five or six and I started to worry about okay am I an alcoholic because I, I could put away a lot of alcohol and have a lot of fun and uh, notice that the mornings after I had been drinking were better than the mornings when I had not been drinking and that made me nervous. So I, I stopped for a while, stay home at night, be a mom, there's that, and uh, fortunately didn't miss it. So uh, I think I dodged a bullet, but it's something I had to look at, looking at my gene pool um, so I went forward from there and, um, ended up opening a restaurant downtown and there was this guy and he was bald and he was intense looking and he was really funny and he, and he spoke the language. He spoke AA and, uh, that instantly got my attention. So his name is Craig and... I didn't even look at the time. Um, so I, I talked to him. I said, you know, I grew up in this world. I grew up in AA. He says, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, um, my dad's kind of a deal. He's been around for a while. He does a lot of speaking. So um, <laughs> Craig puffs up and says, oh, yeah, what's his name? And I said, well, Gary Brown. Gary and Julie are my folks. And he looks at me. And he looks at my face very closely and he says oh I see it I said uh oh are you one of dad's pigeons and he says we're not pigeons I said okay and he's he's uh he was a, a grand sponsee of my dad's so someone who's fifth step my father had heard apparently 
not a good plan. Um, so we kind of went forward with, we were each married to other people. He left that restaurant and then came back and um, left again. But both of our marriages had dissolved of their own accord, which I'm really grateful for. It had nothing to do with us fooling around. Um, but he showed up after I had been divorced and he had been divorced. Uh, Mom had an open house for Dad's 35th AA birthday. So that's 15 years ago. Um, and he shows up at this party. And instantly, we're just like right next to each other. And he says, he comes up and says, so your mom says you're never going to get married again. And I said, that's right. And he looks at me and I said, well, okay, but I'm not changing my name. That's how strong my convictions were. So my husband has, at that time, he has 22 years and 15 years. So he had seven years of sobriety then. And uh, I thought I had it made. And uh, we did bad high school drama. We got together, broke up, got together, broke up, bought a house together, broke up. And um, I was about ready to move on. And he said, you know, I really, I really need you to go to Al-Anon. So he blackmailed me into going to Al-Anon, which is not fair, <laughs> cheating. But um, I'm really glad he did. And I, I hadn't, I'd just been going to meetings and showing up and, and uh, talking the talk without walking the walk. And since I knew so much, I might've had some good stuff to say, but I'm pretty sure most people knew I was full of it. A couple of them mentioned it later on, a few years later. Yeah, you were pretty sick then. You're doing much better now. Okay, didn't fool anybody, thought I was. And I got involved with a workshop. And it was it was the workshop that wouldn't die. It was uh, women only. We went through the big book as Al-Anons. And um, got a deeper understanding of what it meant to be powerless. I thought, you know, like just really I need to understand it's powerless over other people and what they do and think. Doesn't mean I couldn't try to manipulate it, but um, the light went on when I realized I was powerless over my own thinking, my own obsessive thinking. There was an answer. Um, I wasn't just an idiot who couldn't get any of this because I, I could convince myself I was a pile of something the dog left in the corner and not worth the trouble. And I, I understand that now is giving myself permission to give up, giving myself permission to not keep going and not try. It's easier just to curl up and die than it is to stand up and be out in the world and show my face um, and be honest about who I was. So we're going through this workshop and um, I, I uh, really did an actual inventory. My sponsor is, um, she was one of my Alateen sponsors in Denver, God, in the 70s. And um, she and her husband showed up at um, the week the retreat dad and his friends put on up in Brown County. And uh, so Mickey and Marie were doing, uh, were the facilitators for us that weekend. And Marie and I just connected like we'd never ever parted company. And we're still like that. So she has taken me through the steps again. And in the meantime, um, I'm being really dishonest in my marriage. I, my previous husbands really didn't care what I thought. 
you know, I, they were happy that I would just go along with whatever to keep the peace or so that they would like me or that I would be the picture of the perfect wife. Um, Craig actually wants to know what I'm thinking. He doesn't always have to like what I'm thinking, which I had to get over. But um, he actually wants to know what's in my head, which is really scary for me because then he's got something he can hold me to. Then I'm accountable. And I'm not a fan of that. So going through this inventory, I a, a lot of stuff had leaked out in my marriage with Craig and that was that um, I was being really dishonest with money. I've been looking for security my whole life and um, you know the men in my life really didn't know that. It was not, <laughs> it was Carrie's little secret. Um, so Craig's money was our money and my money was my money. And that came out. Plus I was giving money to my son he didn't know about as my kid was struggling. And um, for some reason, he Craig was really pissed off about that because it was it was a secret. It wasn't the understanding we we made as a couple. I was incredibly dishonest when it came to money, and we were going through this process. And I wrote the inventory, and I to find the time to um, fifth step it with Marie. I I. Uh, sat in a parking lot for an hour, found a nice shady spot, and um, thank God for cell phones, I could just do my fifth step with her, and and then I had to do the thing, do my sixth step, take my seventh step prayer, and sit down and confess everything to my husband, and he was pissed off. And he was pissed off for a long time, you know, off and on. It would just kind of come out. And that's, you know, I know that's not my problem at this point. That's his. I really was doing the best I can. But in the meantime, he, he went from, uh, at some point along the way, he went from making plenty of money and we were kind of getting back on track and I was making money and we were making, you know, there's money. I have plans. So I had plans. And my husband's back went out about three years ago and it did not come back and my um by profession i'm a body worker which means for me anyway i i uh i've been a massage therapist for 14 years and i teach the stuff and i have other forms of body work that i love um and i couldn't i couldn't fix him still can't fix him can't do a thing about his back and uh, so we went through that. We uh, filed for disability, which takes forever. Um, and I was paying the bills. And I was busting my ass. And I was working three jobs. And somehow we were getting by. And um, about a year, year and a half into it, Craig said, you have, you have made amends. Your amends with this, with the money, is complete as far as I'm concerned. And if I ever say anything about it, you were to tell me I said this. Wow. I don't know that it would have been possible for me to truly be able to make amends had this not happened. And at the time, I thought it was the worst thing in the world that could happen to me. Because now I'm the one that we're relying on for money, and that was never my plan. So 
so we're struggling and getting by and God keeps showing up and giving us what we need and sometimes it's with a credit card and sometimes I have a good night uh, I was waiting tables by the way as one of my jobs and um, it's all come together bit by bit and suddenly I'm not so scared about money I have money you know we have times where it's close and we have to talk about it but um, security around money is not something it's my problem right now and I'm, I'm really grateful and it couldn't have happened without this this horrible thing that I you know never ever wanted to happen relying on me oh my god but we weren't we were both of us relying on God in our own way and getting through it together and it's interesting I don't have a resentment about it I, I have moments where you know I, I get a little bit scared um, you know and I get shitty about what I think I'm stuck having to do around the house because I forget I can ask him to do it and he'll do it but um, I don't have a resentment about being the one making the money it's it's a relief it's huge so uh, Craig's back goes out and he's on we do the injection thing and he was on morphine for a while and you guys probably know what morphine does to a body and you can't not be an addict on morphine so um, he went through withdrawal, and uh, he's on a different medication now. And then um, the medications do bad things to your brain. They do bad things to your memory. So in the course of all of this, he's developed some profound memory problems. And he will try, if his back feels good, he, he will be convinced he can work a job. And then he'll go out and get a job and not be able to. He used to manage restaurants, be a general manager of restaurants. And uh, that's holding a lot of information in your head at one time and being really busy for those of you who've been in the business. And uh, he, he uh, his last time he tried this last summer was uh, a cashier at a little fast foodish place and he can't do it. And I have to show up as his wife and hold his hand and say, you're doing the best you can. And if that's the biggest gift I can give him some days, then that's the biggest gift I can give him some days. Because there's so much I can't manage around what Craig has going on. I can't fix his back. I can't fix his brain. And I have to show up and be the kind of wife I didn't think I could do. I didn't want to. I really wanted somebody to take care of me and I could live in my own world. Uh, my first husband was going to go to medical school. I was all about that. <laughs> be a doctor's wife. And, you know, again, my plans fell through since Larry was sticking needles in his arm. It wasn't a good plan. So my challenge right now with Craig is um, I have days where I don't always want to be married. And I feel really guilty about that. And then I have to pray and um, God lets me see the man I married because he's not the man I married. He needs me more and I want to be the one taking care of I don't I don't want to be the one providing the care and and uh, day by day I'm able to provide the care that God has needs me to provide and it is a day-to-day -day process and um, I don't know what my plans would have brought me anymore I am more and more now in a place where um, I have
have to rely on my higher power. I really have no choice. And that's probably for the best too. I um, I have some amazing sponsees. I have my sponsor, Marie. Uh, she is a big book Al-Anon. I think that's history coming out of Denver and the wives of uh, the guys in Denver Young Peoples. But I do call myself a big book Al-Anon at, at the risk of offending anybody. And I do that because when I read the big book, I find myself. The only thing that does not apply to me in those pages is an allergy to alcohol. Absolutely everything else applies. I have tried to manage the show and manipulate people to get what I want and do what I can to get the, get the attention I want because I want it in a certain way. I don't want too much attention. I don't want you to look too closely, but um, I, want, I want the attention that's gonna make me feel good. And I, I sponsor out of the big book. And um, I write a four column inventory as do my sponsees. Because for me, four column inventory breaks, gets, gets the drama out of it. I tried to write an inventory years ago where I would just on paper ripped myself to shreds because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And Marie said, oh no, <laughs> we aren't gonna do that. She doesn't let me do that to myself. I don't let my sponsees do that to themselves. I've been there, it doesn't serve. It serves no purpose, but to again, give me permission to poop on myself and do absolutely nothing. So I have these, these amazing sponsees right now who really stick with it and um, use the phone and let me be of service to them. And I'm always so grateful when they call me and I'm always so grateful when I'm able to offer them something that gives them some relief. And, and I get to know that God's working through me. And I had a period of my life where I couldn't believe that God would work through me. Heaven forbid, I am, you know, an imperfect vessel. And God finds a way to work through me. I was gonna talk briefly about my son. If you get me talking about him too much, um, you'll be sick of me in no time. Um, I'm incredibly proud of him. He, uh, he's worn two different uniforms in service. Last one was for the Marine Corps because his buddy was killed in the Marine Corps. So my kid decided he would pick up the sword. And um, we were always very close. We still are very close. And I could always, I don't know about the other moms in the room, but I could envision my son as he grew older before it happened. I could see him in my, in my mind. And um, past 18, I couldn't see him. And it scared the hell out of me because he was going into the military. He'd already decided before he graduated from high school. And that was, you know, September of 2011. And, um, or 2001, yeah. And I was terrified and I had to pray. I said, God, what is this? I don't see him anymore. And he says, well, after this, he's in my hands, Carrie. And that gave me a lot of peace. My son is in God's hands. He's gonna be overseas where I can't get my hands on him. Lord knows what kind of conditions he's gonna be in. So I, you know, I, I could do the things I could do. 
when I'm powerless over whatever it is that's coming around, there's always something I can do. In this case, it was send socks <laughs> and cookies and um, whatever else he asked for. And he's home. And, you know, he's, he's been in the Middle East twice and he's home and he's fabulous. He's safe and sound and he's working. He's got his own couple of businesses and working for somebody and he's busy and he's good at it. And, um, and so far does not seem to be an alcoholic. Uh, he knows his gene pool real well. It's something he pays attention to. And I couldn't be, you know, more grateful that he's safe and sound and sane and building a life for himself. And that wasn't me. That was God. I could let him go enough to let God take care of him. And he's finding his own way just fine. So I don't have to tell him what to do. Try to stay out of his way as much as I can for, you know, somebody who's an only child that I would want to glom on to him all the time. But um, I have a lot to be grateful for with him. He, he's not the kid that's in trouble. And uh, the whole family prays for the one that is. We can't do much about it, but we can pay for my nephew who's living in a boarding house with bed bugs. And he's killed way too many brain cells. Um, but we keep him in, a, in our prayers. Because that's, I keep, I keep telling my sponsees, prayer is action. Um, I have to convince myself sometimes because I'm sure I should be doing more if it were in my control. But it's just not. I, I don't have that much control over the stuff I used to think I used to have to manage. The stuff I am responsible for um, has narrowed down quite a bit and spread out in other areas. So all of this is, is really pretty interesting and um, heartening because I get better. There are days when I don't think I, I have gotten better at all and then somebody will laugh at me and point out the truth and I have to believe them because we can't do this work and not get better. It is not possible for us to do this work and not get better to whatever degree. Um, I have a lot to be grateful for. Also, um, Dad forgot to mention it, but uh, my younger sister is 40, 50 days sober. And um, she and I fought, hated each other's guts growing up. We would do anything to start a fight. We just, just staring at each other would start a fight. We knew how to get on each other's nerves, and we did it really, really well. And today, I, I never saw myself being able to have a relationship with Trace. And now we get on the phone, and I didn't realize I missed having a sister. Because I really wanted to be an only child. My parents didn't pay attention. But I liked it. And um, so I have a relationship now with this sister that I couldn't ever have imagined would be possible. God's gifts come in packages I don't expect. And right now it seems my job is just to do what's in front of me to do and be open to these miracles. And um, that's what I've got. Thank you so much. Thank you for this beautiful space and for being so kind and welcoming. Have a good day.